0: Hello and welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. We're pleased to have you join us for tonight's program. Here
1: Habakkuk is seeing this and he's seeing everything that Jeremiah talked about and his heart is broken and he's frustrated and he's angry and he's disappointed and he's asking God, how can you not
0: act? In the Old Testament there was a bloke named Habakkuk, a prophet and a contemporary of Jeremiah. He had grave concerns about the state of play in Jerusalem, but God had given Habakkuk a vision of the grander plan. And even though it was incredible, Habakkuk didn't like it. So how did he respond to his disagreement with God's plan? You need to check this out. Join Dr. Corbett for our final look into the experience of Habakkuk, the God of my salvation. Great
1: to see so many young people on stage. Great to see so many young people here. It's great, you know... um... uh, we're asking teenagers and people in their 20s to get out of bed on a Sunday morning well before 10 o'clock which is a a miracle that that they can and a miracle that they do and it's wonderful that you're here and I'd love to see this church just full of young people, full of people in their teens and 20s and and even older people in their 30s. (laughs) The opportunity to worship God in in a music style that that they really enjoy and I mentioned last week that we in our church want to have a, a worship that is that is actually worshiping God not singing about us not singing about our experience but actually worshiping God and with that thought in mind we're about to have a look at Habakkuk chapter 3 so, so grab Habakkuk chapter 3 it's about the fifth book from the end of the Old Testament it's the it's considered the beginning of the minor prophets and there are twelve minor prophets and the and the Jews put all the 12 minor prophets together in one book called the Book of the Minor Prophets and Habakkuk is the, the first and they're only minor because of the length of their of their work. Habakkuk is only three chapters and it's interesting to me that, that not only is it a, a profound book as, as we've been seeing and I'll recap this in a moment so that you can be brought up to speed with what's happening here but... But the thing, if you've got a, a Bible that presents poetry in a way that it has the first line and then the next line is slightly indented and then maybe the next line's indented the same and then the next line's not indented, what, what, what your Bible publisher is telling you or the translator is telling you is that what you're reading is Hebrew poetry. And in, and in English it's not easy to detect unless they do that. And the most common form of poetry is called parallelism. It's where the first line says something, so we'll call that line A, and then it's repeated, and that's why it's indented, so that the, the publisher is trying to tell you, don't think that there's two different thoughts here. It's thought, a retelling of that thought. And added to this, all of, all of Habakkuk is written in poetry. I, I marvel at people who are really good poets, and they can they can write verse, and and that that's an incredible ability to be able to use words to paint pictures like that. The, the other the, the thing about Habakkuk, not only is it all poetry, this this closing chapter is a song, and you, you might think, well, how would they know how to sing it? And this is interesting that. It's only fairly recently that music was able to be recorded, even in note form. It's a fairly recent invention. And prior to that happening, did you know that all of the the hymns of the last few hundred years were sung to one of about four different tunes, four or five, maybe six different tunes? And so if you you grab an old hymn book from um, uh, just some of the 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 more main mainline churches use hymn books they'll actually have up the top uh, to be played to such and such tune and there's only about half a dozen of these tunes available and so Amazing Grace if you've ever heard Amazing Grace in its original format it it didn't sound like it sounds now because it was it amazing grace how sweet the sound was how it was originally done and it was done that way because da-da-da-da-da-da-da. There are about 300 songs that were done to that tune. And so the tune was, was, was well known. Amazing Grace, I'm Told, the one that we're all familiar with, was it, it's, it's done in the, what's called the, um, uh, the minor keys, was actually a, a song that came out of the Congo. And you may have seen the YouTube clip where uh, a, a, an African-American plays Amazing Grace just on the black notes of the, of the piano because it was a song of sadness. Uh, da, 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 da. And he actually sang the song that the slaves would have sung and then they took those words and put it to it and that's, that's what we know today. So when we read Habakkuk chapter 3, you, you come across this, this opening statement A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet according to Shigianoth. And how many of us go, oh Shigianoth. (laughs) Shigianoth was one of those well-known tunes of the day. And this song was to be sung to that tune. So as we look at this section, the closing section of Habakkuk, I want to... Point out the what I consider to be the main theme of chapter three and then really the most profound thought that we can draw from these three chapters that have literally changed the direction of the Western world. It was out of Habakkuk that the that the Reformation came, when Martin Luther latched onto the just shall live by faith. Habakkuk two four. It was Out of this book where people began to realize Christianity is not meant to be something that dies off toward the end and Jesus comes back to rescue the last flickering ember of what was his church when they realized the implications of Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 14. The knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall fill the whole earth as the waters cover the sea. And if you stop and ponder that it's a different picture that many have of the church. That's why I say we can see this church full of young people in their 20s and I've noticed that in every church I've been to, all the young people always sit on the side of the drums. Take a look. All the young people are in this section right now, is that right Marco? <laughs> always in front of the drums. We would have had more young people today here if there was someone playing the drums. You might think, oh that's a well have a look every Sunday, young people sit in front of them. wouldn't it be great to see this bursting with people in this section? What do you reckon Blair? Is this why you sat on this side, youthful at heart? <laughs> <laughs> Disappointed there's no drums? <laughs> I'm not sure if moshing is biblical or even healthy for your spiritual life and it might be an, a scary thought and I don't mean to scare anyone to see Blair up here sort of <laughs> moshing to drums but wouldn't it be great? See people in their 20s and 30s, here. So music plays an important part in worship. And in this chapter, we are going to see that this song is a song of worship and the main theme is this, that God is the God of my salvation. And we sometimes hear that word salvation and we have a very narrow view of it. We think, yes, salvation equals ticket to heaven. And it is far more than that, as I hope we will see in a moment. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, as we open the word that you have written, the word that you used men of old to write, with the intention that one day, some 3,000 or so years later, we would read this and that you would speak to us afresh. I pray today that we would hear your voice. That you would indeed speak to us. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so a little bit of background here so that we catch up with what we've seen or be reminded of what we've seen. Habakkuk in chapter 1 is an older man and he's around about the time of Jeremiah. He was looking at exactly what we've been looking at over the last eight years as we've looked through the book of Jeremiah, where Jeremiah was seeing idols in the temple. He was seeing uh, children being sacrificed just on the other side of the temple down in the valley of Hinnom. He was seeing um, sex practices where where people were, were having sex with temple prostitutes, homosexual sex as well as... Uh, heterosexual sex with prostitutes to idols, Astarte and Molech. He was seeing all these vile things where we could talk about why the devil nearly always uses sex to entice people into sin because it's a violation of the image of God and the devil laughs metaphorically whenever people abuse sex which was... God's gift to a married couple and here Habakkuk is seeing this and he's seeing everything that Jeremiah talked about and his heart is broken and he's frustrated and he's angry and he's disappointed and he's asking God how can you not act why don't you judge these people I don't understand it God if you if you don't want to do something about it then don't let me see it because every time I see it I get angry on your behalf and I just want you to intervene. So he was puzzled by what he may have misinterpreted as God's indifference, indifference meaning God just didn't care either way or the other. But he was wrong, Habakkuk was wrong because in chapter 1 God responds and says to him, you're not going to believe what I'm about to do And I will show you that I'm absolutely not indifferent to what's going on here. My indignation, my anger about the way people speak to each other, the way people treat each other, the way people are abusing children and abusing women and abusing each other and how they are misusing the precious gift of sex is infuriating me. And so I'm going to judge them. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to be very decisive not indifferent and so we see that God reveals to Habakkuk in chapters 1 and 2 that he was going to do something and he says to Habakkuk but you will not believe it will be inconceivable to you and you will struggle to understand what I'm doing in Habakkuk 1 verse 5 it says this uh, uh, chapter uh, 2 and verse 3 we've got here but one chapter 1 verse 5 says this look among the nations and see and wonder and be astounded for I am doing a work in your days that you will not believe if told Habakkuk you're not going to understand what I'm about to tell you and then he says this in chapter 2 and verse 3 for still the vision awaits its appointed time it now I want you to notice this it hastens to the end it will not lie if it seems slow wait for it it will surely come it will not delay i want to point out something to you here that god says i'm about to do something now there'll be a temporary measure taken and then ultimately something is going to come about it because of my action now that i set in train that will ultimately bring about the redemption of the world this will happen no delay this will happen but then ultimately something it might seem like I'm not doing anything but I am. I want you to notice that because this this verse is quoted in the New Testament and it's quoted with a change and, and I'll point this out to you that what God was was saying and what we can now look back and see that he was saying was that he was going to scrap the old covenant and a covenant was an agreement between two parties, a covenant was an agreement between in this instance God and Israel and everyone else who comported, complied with the requirements that God had for Israel. We see evidence of that with Ruth, Ruth, the book of Ruth. We, we, we read about a Moabite lady who said, your God will be my God. That's a covenant expression. It's the same as the expression that we use at a marriage. Um, I will be yours, you will be mine. That's, that's the covenant expression. We see it with Rahab the prostitute, she became, she, she came in covenant with God. Both of those two women by the way, Gentile women, are in the lineage of Christ mentioned in Matthew chapter 1. So God's covenant wasn't just restricted to the Jews, wasn't just restricted to Israel, it was open to anyone who formed a covenant with Him. But God says I'm going to scrap this covenant and I'm going to establish a new one. And it won't just exclusively be for Jews, this will be open to everyone so you won't have to become a Jew to become in covenant to come in covenant with me you can say whatever nationality you are and so this is how Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 37 quotes this this verse in Habakkuk and and I'm pointing this out to you so you can see the change in language but I need to also let you know that Hebrews was written around about 63 AD Now I hope by now many of you will have come to appreciate that there were some really, really key dates in the first century. 64 AD, 66, they all go in two years. 64 AD is when Nero began persecuting Christians. He began martyring them by the hundreds of thousands. 66 AD, the siege at Jerusalem began. 68 AD, Nero died and the persecution against Christians dropped off. By the way, that was... 42 months, three and a half years. 66, I mentioned, was when Jerusalem came under siege. The Romans attacked it and, and they locked the gates and kept them out until 70 AD when the Romans finally stormed the city. And Josephus tells us that some 2.7 million Jews had been killed in that siege. And he says the blood on that, on that final onslaught was flowing through the streets of Jerusalem. And by the way, 66 AD to 70 AD is 42 months, three and a half years, a total of seven years in total. And Hebrews was written just before it all began, 63 AD. So notice how Hebrews renders this verse For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. It takes out the wait and be patient, it's a long way off bit. Why? Because it wasn't a long way off. God's judgment. God's doing away with the Old Covenant was not now a long way off. The elements of the Old Covenant were the temple, the highest part of Jerusalem visible from most parts of the city, the priesthood, and the sacrifices that took place there. And in 70 AD, that temple was destroyed and has never been rebuilt to this day, 2,000 years later. And so, what Habakkuk saw was the scrapping of the Old Covenant, what Hebrews When it quotes it it says it's about to happen it's about to happen so that's why when the epistle to the Hebrews cites that verse in Habakkuk 2 3 there's no mention of it being a long way off because it wasn't it was months away from the writing of Hebrews so this is what we see in in Habakkuk that despite the the temporary and immediate turmoil that happened when God brought in the Babylonians to bring temporary judgment to Jerusalem it it left it, it left Habakkuk bewildered how can you use a people who are so vile so wicked to judge us how can you do that how can you do that yeah okay we're bad but we're not that, we're not that bad how can you do that to us this was his bewilderment he didn't understand that behind all this was God's grand plan because if God hadn't done this and preserved what we call a remnant because, the, because the, the Babylonians didn't kill everyone. They actually took the cream of the crop including Daniel and Ezekiel and some of these guys and took them away to Babylon and preserved them. And in so preserving them he preserved the line that would come from King David that the Messiah would be born through. So God had a bigger plan in mind here. And the bigger plan involves the whole world and that's why as I quoted Habakkuk 2.14, what a powerful verse. For the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And I want to see the knowledge of the glory of the Lord cover the West Tamar Valley and begin to cover Tasmania. We have such a privilege here that in our state we, we are in, in some senses the, the beta model if you understand software development they, they put out a before they finished it off they'll put it out mostly finished and say try this and they call it the beta, betaware, beta software it's it's kind of it's nearly ready try it out tell us where all the bugs are and we'll fix it and Tasmania is kind of like that for the working of evil. I think some evil schemes are hatched in Tasmania and and, and evil comes up with some unimaginable things and says, I know, you know, if I can put a voice to it, if I can personify it, I know this will never get through, but how about we pass laws where babies can be killed up till birth? And lo and behold, it gets through. Lo and behold. And the Christian community, many of them go, oh well, the Bible says things are going to get worse and worse and Christians are going to dwindle in influence anyway, so let's just lie down and shut up and not say anything and let it happen. And then I go to a movie yesterday with my 12-year-old princess. I used to have an 11-year-old princess. Now I have a 12-year-old princess. And God speaks to me at this movie. The movie was a deeply spiritual movie called Incredibles 2. Anyone seen Incredibles 2? You've got to brace yourself because you think, here's another movie coming out of Hollywood where the guy is going to come across as a dimwit and the woman's going to be the saviour. Like anyone ever seen Wonder Woman? What a interesting scenario that is, that Superman needs Wonder Woman to save him. Anyway, I digress a little bit. In Incredibles 2, this family of superheroes have been banned from using their powers for good. And the children don't understand. And Dash, the young boy, says to his dad... Dad, we have these gifts, we have these abilities that can stop evil. They use the word evil. We can stop it. We have unique abilities to stop evil. But there are laws against us using our powers. And Mr Incredible, who has a 12-inch waist (laughs) and a four-foot wide frame... (laughs) Up here says, Son, sometimes there are laws which prohibit what is good and what is right, and we must work to change those laws. <laughs> yes, Lord, I'm listening. Did you just speak? Sometimes there are laws that prohibit what is good and right. And we must work to change those laws we're in Habakkuk and as Habakkuk did not understand what God was saying to him he had no concept of God being able to work it out but he did have this concept you always work it out you are infinitely wise you know more than me I can't see what you can see I can't imagine what you can imagine I can't but God I know you and I know you're good and I know you only ever do good and even though I don't agree with you sending the Babylonians in I certainly don't understand it I worship you I worship you and the prophet foresaw that many of his countrymen would be slaughtered many of his family would be killed He may not ever have descendants after what the Babylonians are going to do because possibly his children and his grandchildren would be killed in the process. But he wanted to leave a legacy and his legacy is his book and in particular chapter 3 because chapter 3 is a song, it is a hymn, a hymn and we pick it up having already read verse 1 we pick it up in verse 2. Where the hymn begins, O Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work, O Lord, do I fear. You hear what he's saying? God, I don't get it, but I know you're good and I worship you. I stand in awe, I stand in respect of you. That's that word fear, it's not fear that I'm going to be hit or fear that you're going to do something nasty. It's an incredible fear that you're in the presence of incredible good. And I think incredible good would make every one of us nervous. Because none of us have ever experienced it. In the midst of the years revive it, in the midst of the years make it known, in wrath remember mercy, yes you're going to judge your people, there's going to be much bloodshed, we have sent, you have sent prophet after prophet after prophet pleading with them to return and they've stoned them, they've killed them, they've driven them out, God I know that they deserve it, I know they're going to get it but Lord don't wipe them out completely, let this people, this people, this remnant of yours survive through the years and then revive them and bring them back into this land or oh God. It's a song and this is how the song opens and I'm mindful that Sometimes it's not just what we say, it's how we say it and how we present it. And I think the guys at Pixar, many of them are Christians. You'll notice this powerful set of Christian themes that run through most Pixar movies, by the way. And Disney bought it, and I thought, oh man, they're gonna take out all the good bits. And they ate yesterday. Wow. <laughs> God speaks through incredibles too. Wow. Oh, So it takes movies and maybe there are people here who could write some really cool movies and have some really clever things like that. Maybe there are people here who can write really clever poems and really clever songs. Because we are in a generation that needs them. We're in a generation that needs them. Storytellers, songwriters and poets. God came from Timon. And the Holy One from Mount Paran. Selah. And Selah is a musical notation. It means here you have a lead break. And these songs were to be done on stringed instruments, as we'll see, the very last note in chapter 3, you'll see to the choirmaster or the lead singer, uh, this is to be done with stringed instruments. And the stringed instruments were harps, these harps. So this is where you would have a harp lead break. Bing, 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 bing. It's just, give it pause. I want you to think about this verse now as we listen to the harp lead break. Bing, 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 bing. Uh, something like that. Selah. So whenever you see Selah in the Psalms, it's a harp lead break. Just stop and think about what you've read while we listen to this lead break on the harp. His splendor covered the heavens and the earth was full of His praise. What, what's he talking about? He's actually talking about an event that happened and it's described in Deuteronomy chapter 33 verse 2 where it says it's the giving of the around about the time of the giving of the Ten Commandments and the Lord came from Sinai and dawned from Seir upon us came upon us he shone forth from Mount Paran He came from the ten thousands of holy ones with flaming fire at his right hand. So here Habakkuk is very familiar with the law, the first five books of the Bible. And he's quoting, he's alluding to Deuteronomy chapter 33 and verse 2. And this tells us that he got his vision of God from Scripture. There was a Babylon Bee, anyone ever read anything from BabylonBee.com? That is, that is the, one of the most powerful news outlet websites on the website. I say that um, with tongue-in-cheek because it's a satire website. It's just brilliant. One of their, one of their major uh, articles one day was a um, uh, headline, Holy Spirit can now no longer descend because smoke machine in church breaks down. Another one was... Um, man seeks the voice of God while his Bible remains three inches away from him and, and, and as, as satirical as it is, it's profound some of the Babylon B stuff, really profound. In other words they're saying man is seeking to hear God while his Bible is just three inches away from him and if he would only open it he would hear God. And Habakkuk formed his grand vision of God through beholding god in his word isn't that second corinthians chapter 3 verse 8 is it where it says as we behold him we are changed more and more into his likeness habakkuk 3 4 continues this allusion to when god brought down the covenant And established it with Israel the time of the giving of the Ten Commandments. His brightness was like the light rays flashed from his hand as we just read in Deuteronomy and there he veiled his power so while the whole mountain shook and there was rumblings and earthquakes and there was lightnings Habakkuk says and that was God giving them a glimpse just a percent just a small percentage of his awesomeness Hmm. what a grand picture of God's majesty, Habakkuk had.
0: That's all we have time for tonight, but you can order the full-length version of this presentation on CD, audio or premium download by going to findingtruthmatters.org and selecting Habakkuk Part 3 from our online store. As we've heard tonight, when Habakkuk called out to God and was given a vision of the grander plan, he didn't like it at all. But... How Habakkuk responded to these adverse circumstances is where the real treasure is for us. He worshipped. More from Dr. Corbett next week. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.